Hello there, welcome to another episode of our podcast. I am your host Key, and I am joined by Deck and Claudia with a K. On today's episode, we wanted to talk about Blue Beetle. Let's see it, sure. Today's episode will be a bit different compared to what you have heard before. Both of my co-hosts have not seen this movie yet, so I will kind of try to tell them as much as possible about it with minimal spoilers, and at the end they will give us the verdict whether they are going to see it or not, based upon what I said. Sorry. And at the end they will give us the verdict whether or not they are going to see it. Thank you, Key. I have deliberately avoided reading anything about the movie. So I think the best place for us to start is by telling us a little bit about the story. So, Key, what is it about? So this movie will resonate with fast fans because, in a way, it's all about family. Jaime Reyes is a young college graduate coming back to his family and learning that life isn't going so great for them as they had hidden their troubles from him while he was away in college in, I believe it was Gotham City. So Jaime so Jaime goes out to try and find a well-paying job with his new pre-law degree so that he can help his immigrant family who haven't been given much opportunities because of what they are and not who they are. The city they're living in has a very visible divide between the rich people living in the city centre with the lights, the skyscrapers, whereas the immigrant families from Southern America live in this more off area, literally across a bay, separated physically from the richer parts of their city. And... We do hear that slowly the richer people are basically now even trying to buy out the land that the poorer families live on. It's quite a bit telling the difference between immigrants versus, for lack of a better term, white Americans in America today. The city they use is actually quite a bit influenced by, I think, Miami and Florida. Yeah, in this city, you have corporations that are growing increasingly more evil as they seem to be trying to develop the next warmongering tech. Uh, in this film, they actually reference to, I believe, is the OMAC. And for people that aren't familiar, the OMAC has appeared sometimes in DC. It's a bit like how the Ultron problem appears in the Marvel movies, where someone will try to invent a robotic solution and it usually kind of goes bad for them. This film more so dropped OMAC in name. How they use it isn't quite, I think, the same as the OMAC was used in comics. I'm not too familiar with source material on OMAC, but it does make a name drop here. And in the development of this new warmongering tech, a sample they're using to develop it is removed from the lab and this is where it comes into Jaime Reyes' life. And this is the proverbial Blue Beetle Scarab. So when Jaime comes across this, 
he must now come to terms with the changing circumstances in his life because this blue beetle scarab fuses to him we actually get quite a bit of a body horror transformation scene in the film and he is trying to deal with this change to his life while also trying to stick to his original goals in ways which is can he improve his family's fortunes and avoid gross collateral damage in the same time Mm, maybe giving a young person superpowers is always a wise decision right obviously yes come on I don't know. I'm 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 not so convinced about that. But tell me, so tell me this: is it based on any comic? Because you kind of mentioned superpowers, and that kind of usually leads me to believe that it's either kind of a Marvel or DC type of a movie. Is it animated? So, in terms of this, it is a DC property. It is a live action. Ish is. I believe James Gunn has said it's kind of the first in their live action films that is officially in their new continuity. The Blue Beetle itself is a character that's been around for some time, but Jaime Reyes is not the first iteration of the Blue Beetle. He actually came to it much later, I believe is a 21st century creation. So the earlier Blue Beetle was Ted Cord, who invented his own tech and had a lot of weird gadgets and apparently there was a nice bit of comedy to him. In comics, they've also crossed him over with Booster Gold, which has been quite popular as a team-up because they're both people trying to be superheroes. They both have a comedic element to them. Uh, Ted Cord is referenced in this movie because the corporation I mentioned that's trying to develop the warmongering tech is Cord Industries. But in this world, Ted Cord went missing a long, long time ago. And so when we pick up the movie, Jaime Reyes is quite a long time removed from that Blue Beetle history. And him with the Scarab is another edition where this Scarab does give him a beetle kind of inspired super suit, but it's not a direct uh, evolution, let's say, of the original Blue Beetle Ted Cord. It is something different and... The Jaime Reyes story is different because rather than him donning tech, tech latches onto his body and through a symbiotic relationship, it kind of changes life and it's with him. In terms of the comics, uh, good analog, it's a little bit more close to actually the Venom symbiote, if you're used to that in comics, where there's this thing that speaks to the character in their head. It improves their abilities. It's come from space. And generally, I think with the Jaime Reyes uh, Blue Beetle, it kind of is a little bit similar to DC doing a take on some of the topics that are covered in the Spider-Man comics about this young man, his life is changed by powers. How does he balance this new superpower he has and living his regular life, but also then dealing sometimes in the comics and other media with deeper tones of what you ought to do when you're stuck with this sentient thing permanently fused to your body and mind. Judging from your kind of intro, is there anything that you did like about it or is it kind of, uh, it was okay or I'm glad to see this comic character up in the big screen or? Well, for me personally, I was quite happy to hear Blue Beetle announced 
as it's a character I haven't seen as much, so it was something fresh. I was happy that it was Jaime Reyes, simply because I was used to the character from the very successful and I think also well-written Young Justice animated TV show. Mm -hmm. Now, for me, jumping to Jaime Reyes, who's apparently the third generation to use the Blue Beetle moniker, I thought that's a weird jump, even if it's a bit more modern up-to-date. And I was looking forward to it because I felt Young Justice covered it quite well. Uh, some of, like, there is a mental toll in those you can see on Jaime Reyes of this voice in his ear that isn't necessarily always nice. But in terms of this film, they didn't quite go after as much as the original source could have. I think they went a bit too light on it, and it's a more cleaner image they went with it. But to say some of the parts I did like about this specific film interpretation... The family unit here is really strong. Their dynamic talking and arguing with each other is really great. It feels more genuine. It's not a family that is all smiles and happy like the Brady Munch. They're people that argue. They uh, laugh with each other. They laugh at each other. They can make jokes at each other's expense. Uh, but they do support each other. You feel this is a family unit. There is familial love here. So the family's name off. There is the father, the mother, the grandmother, the uncle, and the sister of Jaime Reyes. We obviously seen the family dynamic being quite strong in Miles Morales, um, Spider-Man as well. How is this one different compared to what we've seen, well, very recently? I think this one... It, it, the interesting one, they're strong family dynamic, and then it is different. I would say the two families are different. In the animated Into the Spider Verse, we have Miles and his two parents, and them trying to get along with each other. In terms of this, uh, so to speak, in a way, it. It feels like these people have grown up with each other. And because there's so many more characters, it is an ensemble. You don't just have the father-to-son relationship, the son-to-mother relationship. You have the relationship to the grandmother. You have the relationship to this uncle who lives in the house. You have the relationship to his sister who is similar in age. So you kind of get the sassy back and forth between brother and sister bickering. But you know that they do care about each other. And same with that, you know, with the uncle that... He likes them and yes, yeah, so I'd say about the uncle, it is played by George Lopez, who is having the time of his life in a mullet and a beard and wearing denim. Hmm. And he's actually a really eccentric character who's stuff like he thinks the government is watching you everywhere. Uh, but he also seems to have this weird talent for inventing things in his garage, kind of patchwork. And yeah, in terms of relation to the Internet Spider-Verse one, you have more dynamics, let's say, because more family members and you all do get kind of their own screen time. And yeah, it's something I think that they, the unit chemistry test might have been done because I don't think it's a fluke that they all just play off each other so well. Is the family aware of his powers or is it very kind of Peter Parker hiding? <coughs> Spoilers for whatever way he answers this question. <laughs> Uh, in terms of it, and has been covered in other reviews, the family is very much aware that his life has been altered by this thing latching to his body. I'll leave it at that, and 
there are some very good scenes about that which if people do see you think they will enjoy it including because actually that was actually a fairly impressive part of the scene because you have practical effects visual effects people reacting including times when i knew these people weren't seeing what was happening but they're reacting so well and just think even that some people there's even a few laughs thrown in even though there is some let's say horrific elements to it but it is very fun because yeah it's you get a feeling that these are real people seeing an unreal thing before them and they're just reacting to it is it kind of what those comic book films like the first ant-man the first iron man um i'd even argue the first season of arrow first season of supergirl where it's like they're they're a nice introduction. They kind of build the world with these characters. Is it a good jumping off point that this guy could be flown around with the new James Gunn universe? Or with this film, I think as a starter, it works pretty well. And the reason for that is it's got a nice personal aspect to it. Uh, so you get the family unit involved, and one of the things is it is kind of talking about this family and their, basically their society, culture's place in the great American dream. And the actual uh, stakes, let's say, to the hero side of thing, it's big enough to be significant to him, but it's not this constant hero fatigue of, oh, it's the universe destroying, it's Earth destroying. It is something that is starting in that city where they live and it is different um let's say tiers of society the rich versus the poor in that city that is where a lot of this is originating from and for that it feels more personal than let's say some other superheroes that people are getting a bit fatigued on have been feeding in the more recent times oh in terms of it i still think paris does feel kind of studio but it still has personality. And just kind of on the story side of things, you, you did mention a couple of things. So we obviously have the, the kind of the family unit, him dealing with the powers that he hadn't, uh, that he didn't have before. Then you're mentioning the kind of the evil corporation, the kind of setting off of the world as well in a way. And it's it's difficult for me to avoid asking that question, but don't you think that they're trying to pack a little bit too much into one movie? Or do you think it's just a, a right amount of, here's a main plot, here are all the subplots, and somehow it just works? Okay, so to answer your question on, is it tackling too much at once? I think maybe not quite. It kind of works out. In these superhero films, as much as you tell the story with the family unit, which is good you do ultimately have to have a villain for your hero to face. And you do get a small bit more story with the villains in this. It is the story of the Cord family. So in terms of Cord now, it is actually being led by a character played by Susan Sarandon. And she was the sister of the original Ted Cord. And after he disappeared out of the picture, she kind of came in and took over Cord and moved it from his more... Uh, let's say, peace-loving idea with the company to more her warmongering thing. So, uh, the reference is kind of the reverse of the Iron Man 1. So, she's kind of like the Obadiah Stane to Tony Stark's more peace mission Mm -hmm. idea of changing around the direction 
dash in that case stark interest is going so this one it is yeah it is susan sarandon is trying to push more towards military tech and you have the surviving daughter of the original tech court paid by a brazilian actress who is trying to stop her from making those changes using the power she inherited as a director at the company because of her father and that kind of makes the corporation side a little bit more interesting you have the two different people with different ideas about what to do with this legacy company for someone that both of them were related to so seeing there's something that someone that they both are related to but is out of the picture now and while some aspects maybe of the court industry side people said you can maybe cut down a little bit here and there i think overall i'm okay with it it's more than just being a nameless corporation but i said before the omac name drop i think was kind of pointless you could have told this story without that there has even been other stories where Boo Beetle's Scarab inspired tech has been an issue. So you have had other storylines where things that were very heavily inspired Blue Beetle Scarab tech or actual Scarab tech were a problem to be overcome and you didn't ball it in under an existing villain story. It was its own thing. So in terms of that, I think they went a little bit too far. Let's see on the story of what is this challenge for Jaime to rise up against. But overall, I don't think it's a massive overshot that would be, let's say, a massive negative I'd have with the movie. And approaching you from a different angle a little bit here. Um, now, assuming I've never seen any of DC stuff, would you recommend using Blue Beetle as, let's say, a nice introduction into the DC uh, universe, if such a thing does exist in DC? <laughs> Okay. So, in terms of this film, I think DC fans will get the most enjoyment out of this, but I don't think you need to be a DC fan to watch this. Uh, James Gunn has covered in this that with Blue Beetle, it is uh, separated enough from the DC uh, or the DC Cinematic Universe, whatever it's called. Uh, it is separated enough from that that you don't need to have watched the stuff that was kicked off with Zack Snyder's vision. And it's because it all takes place in one city in the DC universe, besides uh, one name drop of a big DC character, people would have seen that line said in promo uh, traders for this movie. You don't necessarily need to have seen our DC things. It is its own thing. So it builds up and uses its own characters within the movie. It isn't really bringing in pre-existing characters in that sense. So it is a possible jumping on point for people. Two final questions on. Was the visuals good? And were the performances good? Because I know when I saw the trailer, I was originally kind of going, yeah, and I legit forgot about the film. I just... Mm the trailer didn't inspire me at all not visually but even by the cast i was like i recognize faces but it seemed more of a streaming type film really yeah so to cover the visuals myself as well when i saw the initial trailer it wasn't really confidence inspiring the cgi there uh, was not really impressing me but in this final product i think it's actually pretty good it definitely improved since then in a nice positive direction like it does feel leaps and bounds ahead of what we saw 
and it has some really cool visuals and representations of both powers and gadgets. The Blue Beetle suit itself can morph and change shape into all these different kind of inspired weapons. So it's more so imagination from that regard. And gadgets because we do get to see later on in the movie some characters that don't have superpowers get to use gadgets. And all that is actually quite interesting. I said visually it's quite good people have pointed out there are points where the cgi still feels a bit bad but i think compared to the initial trailer reaction it is a nice step up and it is more enjoyable than you would think from the offset and i know there was a good chunk on the positives but with dc they haven't exactly had a good track record this year i mean shazam 2 seemed to have flopped pretty hard and the flash also flopped but Neither of them were getting kind of good critic reviews. There was much positive words coming out of either of them, really. Like, yeah, there was positive stuff, but... um, Like, this seemed to be kind of the one that, like, oh, really? Third time's the charm, maybe? Or is it kind of, we're going to forget about this one as well? It is a good film, but it's not a great film. And when this is your chance to kickstart the new and improved DC films universe, cinematic whatever they call it, that's not a great sign. It succeeds in not feeling like just another Marvel movie for me and does feel different, but it is standard superhero film in quite a few ways. So in terms of that, they're not doing enough to break out of superhero fatigue. This film at the box office isn't doing exceptionally well. And I feel that is more superhero fatigue than necessarily the movie itself. And when it hasn't done enough to really build up a buzz amongst the audience it's not going to break up those box office numbers so yeah it does good things but ish i think should have been a bit more adventurous really to be honest and as i said before the other media has dealt with quite a bit of drama in how jaime's life is irreversibly changed by the blue beetle scarab this happened so early in his life. In our mediums, he's been more a teenager. In this, he's in his early 20s. But in the end of the day, he is stuck with this for the rest of his life. And they deal with it a bit in this movie, but nowhere near to the depth that we have seen in other media like the Young Justice cartoon. And I think maybe playing into that a bit more would be interesting so i said before the venom symbiote you see how uh eddie brock struggles with the venom symbiote with blue beetle you can kind of do that with a little bit let's say less comedy than we see in the live action venom there's still a little bit of comedy to it but you get the underlying tone of kind of the dread this young boy's feeling that he's got this voice permanently in his head and they didn't go for the harder hitting part of that. They do have a bit of a dramatic moment about it. It does play out well. The performances by the characters involved in that scene is good. It, but it kind of gets resolved and the movie moves on from it. And it doesn't feel lingering. It doesn't feel like it's coming back to that. And I think maybe the people making the film thought that might have been too much of a downer. And I kind of felt they should have been a bit braver to do it and one thing as well which some people have noted in the film there is 
basically something is done which immediately lowers stakes in a way and it's kind of just done through a dialogue and it's refer and that dialogue is then referred back later as an explanation why something happens and it's kind of kind it's kind of bad because just how that thing particularly changes let's say the rules is kind of against the character I've seen the Blue Beetle in other mediums. So they're immediately chopping out an entire section of the source material for the adaptation. And while I can understand the, let's say, logistics of making that decision, it is a bit of a disservice to the source material to do it. Uh, so DC had a chance to set themselves apart here, and they didn't take it enough. So now we will move on to our, well, my rating for this film we have a three-tiered rating system so for people new to podcast or continuing listeners we divide it up a little bit something like this starting at the bottom we have a don't see it this is a rating that a host will give a film if they think there isn't really something to see here it's not going to be something we could really see people enjoying and kind of save your time we're saying don't see it Stepping up to our middle tier, we have Maybe See It. This is when we see some potential here, there's something to be enjoyed, and you could have some fun time with this, or you mightn't enjoy it. So this is something that you can kind of decide for yourself after hearing what we've had to say, if you want to see it, or if you can let it pass you by. And moving up to our top rating, it is a See It. See It is something that we really liked what was in the film here, we see the potential, we see the enjoyment factor, we really think this is something that other people will enjoy, so we are really recommending this to you. See it, it's a good film, we think you'll enjoy it. So, to move on to my rating for the film, I'm going to give Blue Beetle a maybe see it from me. The reason for that is there is a positive of it does feel different from something just using the Marvel format. Uh, the family unit's quite good. The visuals are quite interesting. Uh, while some things in it aren't very inspired, I think it kind of inspires enough that it is fun. Uh, I have a personal uh, barrier myself in films, which I call the one-hour mark, which is can I watch a film for one hour before checking my watch just to kind of get a gauge of the, the pacing and interesting stuff grab me enough that I'm not wondering are they burning through runtime or are they slow to go through runtime it happened to get that for me because I enjoyed the performances I enjoyed what I was seeing but the reason why I don't bump up to see it is it's the part of the uninspired aspects of it the fact that they could have gone deeper they could have gone harder they could have been more hard hitting a bit more drama but they didn't they stuck with the action and the comedy and they do work well but action and comedy do not alone a film make and so it's a maybe see it for me I think there is stuff to enjoy here but if you pass it by I it's not going to be a major loss to you but I'm not going to say that people shouldn't give this film a shot okay so to wrap up this episode thank you all for tuning in to another episode of our podcast let us know if you would like us to do more episodes like this format So, good night, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are listening.